0: Hey, everyone. We are back for another week of exciting rehearsals. This week, we kick off Women's History Month with an incredible interview with Amanda Defries from the Femme Forte podcast. Sam Moeller joins us as our guest host to talk all things social media. We will also find out what made Steven say...
1: I've worked them. They now know that I want, like, a high standard on their vids.
0: And why Trish said...
2: I am. I don't know if I could top last week's, but I'm definitely going to give I was it a saying, shot. Last
0: week's was really- All this and more. So get out on the field, and we will see you back on the sidelines for this week's episode of On a Water Break. Eight
1: off the mat and go. Welcome to On a Water Break,
3: the podcast where we talk everything marching arts. Everyone, bring it in. It's time for a water break.
0: Welcome, 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 welcome to another episode of Season 2 of On a Water Break, the podcast where we talk about everything you and your friends are talking about at rehearsal on a water break. I'm Jackie Brown. This week, we have another action-packed episode. Oh my gosh. We kick off Women's History Month with a woman who is literally making history in her new podcast, Femme Forte, Amanda DeFreeze. I can say I'm very excited because I got to talk to her personally with Ashley, and she is just something else. She is a force to be reckoned with out there, and I think Femme Forte is the absolute perfect name for her podcast, I gotta say. Uh, This week, also, we have our guest host, Sam, to talk all of the fun things going on in social media and the marching arts, so if you don't follow Sam on social media, you're definitely going to want to after this interview. But first, let's see who's on the sidelines this week. Steven, we're letting the boys back into the play Jackie? this week.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm 26 now. I uh, got a little rowdy.
3: Happy birthday. last week's
1: episode.
2: <laughs>
1: Thank you. But yeah, I'm happy to be here. It'll, uh, it'll be a fun one. Good to be back.
0: Emily, how did the Super Bowl uniform picks go?
4: Oh, yeah. I totally remembered there was a thing called the Super Bowl that sort of happened <laughs> over the weekend. But as for a tradition that I started in my own brain, I like doing, like, fantasy NFL band things. And I think you guys can <laughs> okay. see them both on my social and also so you can see it on the on-the-water-break social. I actually don't know which one people liked more. I didn't actually get a consensus on that.
0: Right jeremy said he checked on it and he was pretty sure the chiefs won that also since oh they won, the won that year. Year. Oh, awesome
4: okay of I, had to
1: update it. Is unstoppable. I had to
4: update it there's an older version i was like well i can't just keep uploading the same thing over and over again if the chiefs are gonna keep doing this well anyway check them out i hope you like it maybe you'll have some constructive feedback on how to either do a uniform or not <laughs> oh I'm, I'm gonna have to call a brent be like hey
0: brent Brent, go check this out. See what he thinks of it. No pressure or anything though. <laughs> Trish, are you ready for your what we doing this week? I am.
2: I don't know if I could top last week's, but I'm definitely going to give it saying, a shot. Last
0: week's was really good.
2: <laughs> and I have my kids on it now too, because we did a little dry run Friday night at rehearsal on, you know going from the different warm ups. And I said to them, when somebody says good luck, what is your response? And they said, thanks, you too.
0: It's so easy. It's so, I mean, we talked about it last week. Guys, if you want to hear the whole thing, listen to last week's episode. It's so important. It's so good for for our our whole community to understand. Cindy, I I heard something going on about stickers and I love stickers, so yeah. can you elaborate?
3: I mean, Leander Mama needs some merch, and so me and Jeremy got together, and he created uh, some Leander Mama stickers for me, and I will be in Austin in a few uh, weeks for WGI, and so there might be something going on with some stickers and handing those out, and so hopefully uh, I'll have more information about that uh, at WGI
0: Austin. Let's trade some stickers.
3: Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) like they used to trade pins. Yes. we can trade stickers. I know. Everybody loves a good sticker. (laughs) It's true. I actually, during COVID, I did a huge
0: draw to like, I basically was like, hey, anybody, if you send me a self-addressed stamped envelope. I will send you free Spintronic stickers. And so people Aww. did this and it was like, it was so cute because some of their, some of them were like kids, like learning how to address envelopes for the first time. And they're like oh, wow. messaging me and being like, how do I write this address on an envelope and send Aww. it to you? And so it was just so sweet. I love stickers.
3: <laughs> I know everybody loves stickers. I have a feeling that I'm going to be handing them out like crazy in the, yeah. at uh, the Austin WGI. I love
0: it. Well, we have kept him on the sidelines long enough. It's time to meet our guest host, Sam Muller. Hi.
5: Hello. Is this where I start my life story, or is that is that? Good? <laughs> <No>.
3: <laughs> okay.
1: Actually, you're pretty, pretty close. You can just there, jump but... into it. Yeah, let's give okay. you the eight, and then hit us with your thirty-two count <laughs> <laughs> life story.
5: Okay, so um, I've spent a total of four summers with a drum corps. This will be my fifth. I spent three seasons doing indoor. I was a conductor for the Colts. I played trumpet for the Colts. I was on their admin team. Um, I was a middle school band director for four years, um, and I don't do that anymore because I didn't like it. (laughs) I I was, for the Blue Knights last summer, the photographer and the TikTok content creator, and now I'm doing that for Santa Clara Vanguard this upcoming summer. Um, And then in April, I'm going to be joining the media team for WGI championships. Wow, it's like right on time. Very very full 32 counts, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Nice, that's
1: impressive. You've been doing a lot of drum corps indeed. And you do a lot of social media stuff too. What uh, sparked your initial interest to, to really do more in drum corps social media?
5: So I've actually been doing stuff in social media in general since I... I had to think about it. I think I was either seven or eight years old when I started, which wow. is I know like really scary if you're a parent with kids who have access to the internet. <laughs> but wow, I I'd, I'd say when I was in I think third grade was the first time I started making things on the internet. I think I what started I made my first video. I made my first video using PowerPoint. So like oh. I. <laughs> yeah I know I didn't know how to use like an editing software, so I would put pictures and set the slides to like like time them to music, make sure they like lined up yeah but I've been doing make this i'm twenty eight years old so it's it's been like twenty years of making things for the internet. I think I started wow. learning Photoshop when I was like i was about nine years old. oh my gosh it's so it's just it's always interested me like as long as I've been able to you know read and write. <laughs> But as far as band social media, like band is ended up being my passion in life. So I, you know, it was inevitable that I combine those two things. The funny story, I think the first time I ever went viral on social media, like hit had a video hit like a million views. I think I was 10.
6: (laughs) Oh,
3: my God.
5: No,
1: wait. Tell us about (laughs) that real quick. (laughs) I was
5: making I was doing edited stuff when I was in middle school and I had I had popular YouTube channels back then that had to do with like video games or whatever I was into at the time.
1: Wow. Wow. In middle
5: school. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you were a pioneer. A place,
3: too.
5: It was a different place. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot. I don't know if I would say less forgiving. I would say people it was like a darker time almost it's on the true. internet.
1: Yeah. I think it's like the wild wild west when like you get back to like 2008
5: absolutely
1: (laughs) like like it was lawless and there were a lot of outlaws
3: (laughs) a lot of people hiding in mama's basement
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's uh that's impressive though so you've really been doing it for a long time and you've made a lot of different content like where do you come up with all the different ideas for uh like the, the posts that you make and the the content you create
5: so i've had a few people ask me this And it's really something I've had to think about right now. My main focus is Santa Clara Vanguard. So I do like, we had a big Valentine's post yesterday that I did. Um, But with Vanguard, I had a day a few days ago where I'll sit down and just write like as many things down in a Google doc. I think I have like a five page Google doc for ideas just for this upcoming summer for Vanguard of stuff where like we might end up doing or not. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not a very methodical way of doing things. A lot of it is like, I'll have a lot of clips. I have like a whole library of show clips and sounds and stuff like that. And I'll just start throwing stuff together and see if something comes out of it. Or if I come up with something as for the bit I do, where I like tell totally false stories about the activity,
3: (laughs) That's that's how like
5: most people find my page. Um, and that's how I've gotten those, those kinds of videos were actually how I've started working in the activity. Huh.
7: So making like Vanguard,
5: up. yeah, making him tell him lies. It gets you, it gets you paid. <laughs> but very much as far as those videos, I'll, maybe I'll see like a comment or something that inspires one, but it's not, as for those, I don't, I don't, there's not it's it's hard there's not like a very methodical way of doing it it's very much like right. all i i tend to just make what i would want to see i mean like man it'd be funny if there was a video that said this and then i'm like oh wait i can just do that like well, that's usually yeah, how it goes say
1: that, i feel like for a long time like social media in drum corps was kind of very like stocky and very like uh straight and narrow
5: and mm-hmm. like, when
1: you see groups actually do something funny because they, they let someone that's actually kind of a content creator run their page
5: for them instead of, like, I don't know, some yeah. person on the admin yeah. team. <laughs> media media <laughs> teams. So in, I think a, a big thing there is that media teams and Drum Corps are a recent thing. So I remember when I marched in 2016, like maybe I think the Seattle Cascades had a photographer. The cadets had a photographer. Blue Devils has always had a media team. It was a BD360, is what it was called back then. (laughs) But other than that, most drum corps just did not have a media team, Um, and so it's kind of a recent development to have like paid professionals on staff who are experts in social media and study social media algorithms and content that resonates with the activity and people in the activity. Um, And that's I think that's why we've seen that big shift in just the past few years. Um, Because now I I think basically every drum corps has at least one media professional on staff. And that's been a big change.
1: Do you think there's any focus on like making content that resonates with people that aren't in the drum corps community? Cause I, I know you're making good content for the drum corps community, but what about like content that's generally viral?
5: As for myself or for like, in maybe just like, in general,
1: do you feel like organizations are trying to do that?
5: We saw a big, um, interest in that with what Blue Stars was doing last summer. If any of you are familiar with the Blue Stars TikTok, um, <laughs> we which actually on, them John,
0: over the summer too.
5: Oh really? So if yeah. If listen, I mean, go back if,
0: and listen to the Blue Stars. Uh, yeah, I'll have to do that. Podcasts, that was great.
5: <laughs> if you're if you're on the drumcord TikTok algorithm, I'm sure a Blue Stars video has popped up at some point. But they have, I think, one of their videos last summer hit like seven million views. Something crazy. So they had stuff that was going outside the community, which was really neat. You know, whether that leads to people finding drum corps, I don't know, Mm -hmm. but it is, it is cool. when that happens. I remember on Reddit, there was like a drill move from Carolina crown. That was like the, on the front page of Reddit for an entire day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was called, you know, marching band does a cool move. This was crown 2013. They had like a rotating, um, triangle something like that it was really neat but Happy i see it happens occasionally here? yeah the year before the space pants so the purple pants okay. yeah <laughs> i think they did a similar move in purple both
3: purple pant era. <laughs> but i remember
5: seeing a comment that said this is why people don't like watching american football because you have so much going on that has nothing to do with the sport itself and hmm. there's always just like a big misunderstanding of what we do and how it ties into hmm. sports when it you know, inevitably gets out. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, right. That's interesting. Never really thought about that. But when it gets outside of the band community, people don't really know what they're watching.
3: Yeah,
5: they they have no clue. Man,
3: they no don't. Clue.
5: <laughs> I um, I live in Los Angeles, and i work in I work in film sets. Um, and so after typically after you wrap a shoot on a film, it's courtesy to follow everyone else that you worked with on Instagram. And I always feel bad for what these people are about to get themselves into <laughs> when they do the courtesy follow, because then a week later I'll come back and they're like, man, I've learned so much about marching band against my will. Yes. And that's like, yeah, that's like the only thing I post about. So.
3: <laughs> oh, That's funny because I have the same thing happen to me and people are like, you post a lot of marching band stuff. Like, I didn't know you were so into that. And it's like, Yeah, well, we have a whole community of obsessed former marching band people, Uh and we are not a small community. We are a force to be reckoned with.
4: (laughs) (laughs) True Dad, I mean, aren't we all guilty of having way too much marching band slash guard content on our socials anyway? Never. (laughs) never. When I remember to post, it's usually about band. (laughs) That's all I post.
5: (laughs) Yeah, right. on on Instagram. I have a personal account and I have a drum corps account, and I was like, okay, anything that has nothing to do with band will go on my personal page. And just over time, mm-hmm. I've realized that there, I do so little that has nothing to do with band that yeah. like that page is like, <laughs> defunct now. Like nothing goes on there. It's mm-hmm. so
3: true. <laughs> I have two hundred eighty-one <laughs> followers on my personal account and almost twenty thousand on my band. Yeah,
5: account. yeah. <laughs>
1: that's crazy i (laughs) didn't realize you had quite that many followers it's been a while since i've been to your page
3: (laughs) yeah well there was a christmas video that is still going viral
4: wow uh, it's nice nice. it's banned though it's banned related it's
1: banned
2: that's That's cool cool. (laughs) i
4: feel like i'm in like the eternal building phase i don't know it's just like it's kind of hard like i think it's awesome that y'all are like you know gaining all this traction in the media like i love watching that But sometimes, you know, as a small budding content creator, I guess, it's just kind of hard to see, like, what that will look like in the future. I don't know. I'm still figuring it out. (laughs) I still have no idea what I'm doing. Well, Sam, what would you tell Emily for
0: her growth of her page? Cause you've done, I mean, you've done so much in in social media. You kind of understand a lot of the algorithms and things like that. Mm -hmm. What should Emily and and really any of our listeners who are kind of in the same situation, if you're a content creator and you're not getting traction and you want to grow, where would be a good place to start?
5: So (laughs) I think that this, so Vanguard will be the second drum corps that I've done social media for. And I think that when drum corps hire me specifically, like they know what they're getting into, which is that this will be, oh gosh, I also ran, uh, I did TikTok for the Ionic, Ionic Winter Guard in, uh, in Missouri, oh, which Jackie, yeah. I'm sure you're familiar with. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, that was, so that was my, that was where I got started. That was the first one I did. Okay. But what I found is that, especially if you're targeting Gen Z, which is typically what I'm doing when I'm doing this stuff. They very much want to be entertained first and foremost. They don't like being sold to. Yeah, they don't like being so a good example of that is Duolingo. Um, The the Duolingo TikTok, the Duolingo Instagram has (laughs) has such little to do with what the app actually provides as a service. It's just funny content. And so I've always kind of operated under like, let's get our name out there first, and then maybe people will start to figure out what we do. Rather than like, hey, if I tell everyone what we do, I'm kind of just shouting into the void um, mm. versus like, hey, if I start by making jokes, you know, I'll gain followers and then you can kind of rope them into what you do. So like my, okay. my Instagram media account, primarily um, 99% of what I post is like my actual like art art style content, like photos or videos I've made for bands. And then if you go to the Reels page, there's like Reels with... 200,000 views that are just like total nonsense. But every time I post one of those, it's like, you know, I start gaining followers very quickly versus, you know, posting photos. But like those followers are still seeing what I'm posting. So that's, that's kind of the approach I've always taken is, is selling, trying to start by selling something doesn't really work.
4: Very good advice. I thank you. And I'm pretty sure, Mm -hmm. like Jackie said, a lot of other listeners probably, you know, you know, would appreciate that advice too. Why, thank sure. you, social media expert, Sam. Yeah. <laughs>
6: <laughs>
4: well, and if you you also
3: might find that it just happens by accident. Like in my case, it just completely, you know, Sam, you probably uh, set out maybe not to have so many followers and it blew up. And then people started noticing you and said, hey, would you run our social media account? And I don't know if that's how it happened for you, but uh, I, I can see how that would be the case.
5: I I take a very method. So the the like the creative process isn't super methodical, but I take a very very methodical approach to how I actually put stuff out or how I edit it. So like with the videos where I tell information about shows that isn't true or seasons that isn't true, um, <laughs> I'm very much considering. Like I I try to always make sure a TikTok is no more than fifteen or twenty seconds because after that, you know, there's not much incentive to stay there. You lose them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you lose them fast. Mm -hmm. But that and, yeah, I mean, saying incorrect things is, like, unfortunately, one of the fastest ways (laughs) to get (laughs) engagement. Or, like, like if you want to get engagement fast, use the wrong form of there or use the wrong form of your because people are going to comment.
3: Oh,
2: wow. (laughs) Those are just, like,
5: some quick... Those are like some cheat codes (laughs) to gaining engagement on social media is like, be wrong because people want to, they really want to correct you. They want to tell you that you're stupid.
2: And so if (laughs) you just
5: are like, you just accept like, sir, I'll just make myself look stupid. And you know, some people are going to take me seriously and think I'm dumb. You know, that's something I'm just willing to accept.
3: (laughs) One of our most
0: viral TikToks we've ever had was actually a blooper. We were doing like a quick change dress 24 million views on the mm. blooper oh, because gosh. the dress didn't work properly. One of the dresses oh, in the yeah. background didn't work properly. And like, they were like, Oh, you're hanging. How could you do that to that poor girl? <laughs> and it was like, Well, we, we did it again. We posted <clears throat> the actual one and it was great and it was beautiful and everybody's dresses worked. But the blooper. They didn't care
3: about up. that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah people like wow. it when you mess up they just yeah, do that's <laughs> what people want to see they want to see the fails they the just fail do. compilations <laughs> uh, yeah.
4: yes
1: that's crazy well we could i could definitely ask you all day long for tips and tricks on social media <laughs> sure <laughs> <laughs> we'll probably be back on it later i bet we get back into it but for now let's hit these gush and goes
7: great job everyone set your equipment down
0: gush and go Steven, do you want to kick it off? Do your gush and Oh go boy.
1: First? Yeah, I can I guess I'll go right now, but that means I'm freestyling cuz I was expecting to have a minute. <laughs> no, I've been uh, I've been working hard on video assignments this week. Like on the other end of the table now that I'm teaching in like a uh a world class line where now my kids are submitting me these videos and they're putting in the effort cuz I've I've like I've worked them. They now know that I want like a high standard on their vids. So now I have to like commit back forth this same amount of work, which has been like, it's, it's a a challenge, but it's kind of rewarding. Um, Something I was talking to them a lot this week was like performing and uh, how you can treat performance, maybe more like a dialogue between you and the audience. So I had them writing almost like a whole essay in this in like the facebook comments in this private facebook group (laughs) (laughs) as they like watch back their own videos and stuff and and reflect on their own performance and how they can have a more clear dialogue to the audience now that they get to watch themselves many of them are now realizing like oh maybe i'm kind of like visually mumbling (laughs) rather than having
3: a term
1: Yeah, I've been trying to like push it on them, but I'm kind of liking doing this like more, more complicated work on video comments, because then I can actually take the time takes me a lot of time, but take the time to write out a response that that maybe does teach them how they can view performing differently rather than just like perform, feel like people are always told to perform, but then they don't have a clue what that means so it's cool it's like i'm finding a different medium to teach through by taking the uh, video assignments just as seriously as a tech that i did as a student
0: that's i love that concept I lo- that's beautiful
1: cool i had fun emily- with it. it took me hours but i had fun
0: <laughs> <laughs> emily what do you want to gush and go on about this week
4: Yes, yeah, since we're talking about social media and the history of the internet apparently I uh, <laughs> finally was able to see the song list for one of the, my other ensembles that I perform in and one of them is like an old 2000s song called Every Time We Touch by Cascadia and I just immediately thought of all of the early 2000s shipping AMVs I'm like oh my gosh <laughs> anyway it's great and I think the arranger was self-aware about the meme status of the song. And I'm just so excited to be a meme this year. <laughs> oh, I
0: want to see all of that because when I marched Blue Stars, every time we touched was the song that we did chasse-passe-overs to in Across the Floors every single time. It didn't matter the rest of the soundtrack, like no matter what we had worked on, that whole dance block, that song would come on and we'd be like, okay, we're doing chasse-passe-overs. This is just this is just what we're doing. <laughs> Trish, what do you want to gush and go on about? Oh, oh. true.
2: <laughs> what? what?
0: Oh. Oh. Trish. You need to send us pictures so we can put them on the Instagram. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Aww. (laughs) Um, You have to send us those pictures. I want them on the the, the, on a water break Instagram because, oh my gosh. (laughs) Cindy, what do you want to gush about this week?
3: Well... I will be attending my first WGI event uh, in Leander, which is appropriate. Uh, you know, I've moved to Northwest Arkansas several years back, so I, I don't get back to Texas as much as I would like to. But my 25-year-old former band kid still lives there, and so I'd always try to go back for several events. But uh, so I'm so excited to get my first look at, uh, like, the Woodlands, seeing them live. Is just uh, so amazing. and uh, of course the the scholastic A groups I love and the open groups too. But uh, it's always fun to to get a, that first look at the woodlands and and Johnson is still uh, a world class, um, but I'm excited to see Origins and an, an Invictus and I don't know if y'all are familiar with Third Coast Independent there I think last year was their first year from Houston this is I believe their second year I don't think they I think they dropped out of world championships which I'm sad about but I am excited to get to see them uh, live again but <laughs> the most exciting thing is there's a group from Colorado who's coming down. Uh, they're called Zenith. Already? I'm not familiar with Zenith. They're from Loveland, Colorado. And, okay. So uh, oh, it's it's so cool to see these groups outside of Texas venturing in and I think we're going to see that more and more because it, you know it's time and, and Texas is a welcoming state regardless of what they might see. <laughs> They are in a welcoming <laughs> state, and uh, so it's cool to see these groups venturing in, so I'm excited. This is going to be fun. Well, Sam,
0: you see how our Gush and Go segment works. Is there anything you would like to gush about this week?
5: Yeah, there's something cool I wanted to talk about that I don't know if people are super knowledgeable about, which is um, the interconnectedness of the drum Corps media world. <laughs> so... the one thing, and I don't know how it works with—I've never taught drum corps, but the the media crew, the media teams, we all have a giant group chat that we're all in.
0: Oh my gosh! So for there's real. like,
5: there's like three hundred people in this chat. Wow. And we all know each other. So the competitiveness <laughs> that that naturally comes with this activity doesn't doesn't necessarily make its way into the media world at all. Like we all love each other. Just this morning, I texted the guy who ran the Blue Stars TikTok last year for advice um, with what I'm doing for Vanguard. I know that the Blue Devils media team is someone I can always reach out to with questions. Just last night, I was like, hey, um, and this is something that's really cool. Phantom Regiment every year puts out a, a photo book of the summer. So they print like 300 photos in this really cool coffee table book. Oh wow! And that's something—something something that I've always thought would be cool to do with my own photos. So I asked Phantom's photographer, and like we said, you know, we had like an hour-long Zoom call last night where she showed me how to set that up. So nice. it's just cool. There's no like gatekeeping knowledge in the media community within the marching arts. It's very much just like a, a bunch of band nerds that are <laughs> way too into this, take it way too seriously, <laughs> and but like first and foremost, we all just love doing it. So. I know that like pretty much any other drum corps out there, probably all of them, anyone with a media team, like I can reach out or, you know, run things by. Like if I have a question about, hey, what, do you, how do you think this looks? I can ask the people at Boston Crusaders. <clears throat> Boston Crusaders, like that's not something that, you know, we all trust each other. We all trust each other's opinions. So that's just something that's cool. I don't know if people know that. But just know that like if your drum corps has a media team, just know they're talking to the other media teams, <laughs> like all the time that's awesome
3: (laughs) I wonder
0: kind of like if that harkens back to like the roots of drum corps you know because I know like drum corps is super competitive but I kind of feel like that's probably because of how big it's gotten compared to like you know when it started that maybe you know more people knew each other way back in the day and there were you know there was, Hmm. was easier to like talk to each other and help each other out and I don't know. That's kind of, that's really cool. I love that. I love that you say there's no geek keeping, gatekeeping of the knowledge. Yeah, there's that's not. The gen, the thing
5: I look forward to the most this summer is like seeing, you know, I'll be counting down the days until I get to see my friends from Blue Devils or my friends from Phantom Regiment or, you know, Blue Knights. Like those are, that's something that I very much look forward to at shows. Like that's the most exciting thing about shows is when you're coming on the field, the other Jump Corps media team is coming off the field and you can be like, yo, what's up?
1: Hmm. That's interesting because that's what it's like being in like a baseline. You know all the other bass drummers yeah, yeah. or the other cores. Like it's like you're the the media team is a section, and you know all the other people mm-hmm. that are in that section.
5: Because most most drum cores have, on average, you know maybe two people doing media, maybe one. Like I know with with Vanguard, there will only there will be two media people on the road this summer. So like, you know, we don't have these giant like when I marched, we didn't have the The 26 person trumpet section, or whatever. Like, between all of the world class or open class drum corps photographers, like in the grand scheme of things, there's not that many of us. So, you know, every San Antonio free day, all of us get together and have lunch, stuff like that.
1: Nice. Nice. Yeah, it's cool, man. Hey, it's called Gush and Go, not Gush and
7: Stay. Let's
0: go. (laughs) Okay, everybody. Get back out of the field. The ladies are going to take over with our next interview with Amanda DeFries from Femme Forte podcast and Ultimate Drill Book. So make sure you have your drop books ready. We are going to check all of them, but we'll be right back.
7: It's Jeremy, and here are your announcements coming from the box. You want to drink up On A Water Break Lost in Translation with Cynthia Bernard, uncover the glitz and glamour of twirlers with On A Water Break and Rhinestones, hosted by Lexi Duda, get the insider scoop from the stands with On A Water Break from the stands with Cindy Berry, aka Leander Mama, and join the band family in On A Water Break Family Style with Stephanie Click, plus much, much more to come. Don't miss our recent episode celebrating Black History Month with insightful roundtables and amazing guests. And guess what? Women's History Month is just around the corner. Make sure to follow us on social media at On A Water Break for all the latest updates and bonus content. Got something to share or a burning question? Email us at podcast at gmail.com. So don't be the person that doesn't tell their friends about a water break. Make sure everyone stays hydrated. Okay, field staff, take it away. Let's reset.
0: a very special guest clinician for you. I am hanging out on the sideline with Ashley Tran. Hey, Ashley. Hey. And we are talking to Amanda DeFries from the Fem Forte podcast. Hello, Amanda. It's so nice to meet you.
8: Hi, thanks for having me. It's great to be here.
0: Yeah. So I'm really excited to talk to you. You know, we met because you have another podcast that's Sort of marching arts related, but also kind of attends to the broader range of like the just the female experience in, you know, the marching arts in the professional world. But before we get into all of that crazy fun stuff, we have a tradition that we need to adhere to. (laughs) It's called the 32 life, the 32 count life story. Basically, you're going to hear a metronome. It's gonna give you eight for free. And then you have 32 counts, which is about 30 seconds to tell us everything that's ever happened to you from the day you were born until now.
3: <laughs> righty, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: All right, let's do it.
8: Hi, my name is Amanda. Uh, I host a podcast called Fem Forte. Um, I play drums. I did Indoor with Five Points and Crossman Wins. Uh, I'm really passionate about women empowerment, about music and the arts. I am currently the director of media for Ultimate Drill Book. I live in Austin, Texas. I have a dog. I'm adopted from China, if that's important. I'm just really passionate about uh, uplifting women in our space as I believe that women, oh no, I believe that women need to have more resources about how to elevate their career
0: Yay. I think that is so great and like I said I met you through your podcast so do you want to kind of talk about uh, let's let's back up actually let's go back to the what you said about the ultimate drill book so how did you land this position where are you coming from you know what's sort of the backstory there
8: yeah so it's actually pretty funny how I got this job Honestly, it was a Facebook ad that kind of came across my feed. At the time, the position was called Creative Media Designer, and uh, I had been working um, at UTSA as like a multimedia specialist, and at the time, I wasn't really looking for a new job, but I thought this was interesting because I've always wanted to blend my passion of music and media together. So yeah, I went to Texas A&M Kingsville, uh, was originally a jazz studies major and wanted to pursue performance full time. And later in life transition to pursue a media career. And I've always wanted to find kind of that middle ground to blend those two together. And so seeing that Ultimate Drillbook book was heavily in the marching arts and ha- created essentially a position that could do that. Um, I put my name on the hat and yeah, and then I'm here. And so I've been really, really lucky to have gotten the opportunity. And I'm really fortunate to be working for a team that's super passionate about like the marching arts and music and music education.
6: That is so cool. What are So I'm diving into the world of social media management and things like that. I'm getting ready to partner with my aunt who has a real estate brokerage, and I'm getting ready to set up her YouTube channel and kind of chopping up all that into short form content and putting it everywhere and optimizing, you know, all the SEO things. So I'm just curious, like this, this sparks a lot of curiosity (laughs) and excitement. What are, what are... All of your responsibilities are like just like the gist. Wow, there's a lot there.
2: <laughs> I Essentially, yeah, I, I, I
8: run the ultimate drill book like social media from the Instagram, the TikTok, the Facebook, and the We Have Beam, which is our sheet music app, and Stride TV. And so all these three little like pillars uh, or products within the company have their own social media profiles. So I'm managing uh, at least three to four uh profiles per product that we have. And so not only am I managing that from a social media side, but also uh, we make our content in-house. I mean, we do collaborate with a lot of other people, but as actually, as of right now, we are expanding our team. And so we're about to hire a video editor, a sales and admin assistant, and a graphic designer. So our team is constantly growing, and I'm essentially going to be in charge of the media team, um, which is really exciting. We also have a studio, which is a creative media production space in Austin, Texas. And so not only do I also manage that space, but we also run some productions in within that space, including Femme Forte. So yeah, like the, the day-to-day responsibilities kind of range anywhere from creating content, editing videos, creating copy for those videos or for email, as well as running femme forte on the side so yeah it, it there there's a lot there but it's it's awesome to be so well-versed and and learn so much on the different like marketing and creative fronts
6: yeah That's especially when it's copy too because like I'm sure as a someone who studied multimedia it, it in my mind it doesn't sound like they might have taught you copy did they in college no I actually I
8: switched majors from being a jazz studies performance major to communications and then got a business administration minor. So I did take a couple of marketing classes, but copy was honestly one of the things that I have had to learn, like being in the field. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that other college courses, depending on whatever university you go to, do might teach some sort of creative writing. But, but from my personal experience, it's definitely something that I've had to learn like on the job.
6: Nice. Sorry, Jackie, I didn't mean to cut you off. So my question now is,
0: you know, kind of going into the Femme Forte podcast. Let's talk about that a little bit. Who's, whose idea was it? Where did that get started from?
8: Yeah, absolutely. So it was my idea. It was formulated in September of 2022 in my bedroom.
7: <laughs> and.
8: <laughs> <laughs> I <created> just—I've <laughs> always known that I've wanted to do podcasting. I've listened to podcasts kind of throughout college, growing up, and I've just knew that podcasting, as the rise of podcasts were starting to happen, I wanted to create my own. As I am like an artist in many forms, whether it's being a musician or like a video editor or photographer, uh, photog- uh, podcasting was just another medium uh, and source of creativity, and so at first the original idea was to honestly talk to people who worked in like drum corps media and like just gear out and talk about all like different kind of cameras and editing and stuff like that but really for me I wanted to find a greater purpose behind my podcast and within working for Ultimate Drill Book I had a lot of different It started with talking to a lot of different women band directors. And that's kind of where the idea sparked was all the time at TMEA or Midwest Clinic, I would talk to women band directors and the joke goes, I'm like, yeah, let's get a couple of podcast mics in front of us and like record this conversation because it was really cool to hear their experience and just also listen, just listen to whatever they had to say. and And that was something that I really believe deserved a platform. So Femme Forte started as talking to women band directors and talking about how they got there, talking, giving advice about teaching, especially as we know as first year teachers, even fifth year teachers, like sometimes we don't feel like we know what we're doing or, you know, haven't figured it all out. And so that's where the first season kind of took off and started with. And since then, I've always said this, but I believe that Femme Forte is more than just a podcast. It's a movement of in- empowering women in our space in the music and art space and so we're constantly growing so I will always interview women band directors but we're more than just that now and now I started to interview actresses I've started to interview dancers I've started to inter- I want to start to interview stand-up comedians I mean cuz if when you think about it every, everybody comes from some source of the art whether it's the art of podcasting whether it's the art of stand-up comedy because you're performing and so really being able to hone in on their accomplishments and achievements, but also hearing their experience of how they got there. Like the interview that I finished with the actress from LA, she's like, you know, a lot of people ask me about the work that I'm in, but not a a lot of people ask me about my acting and my passion for acting or my career course and how I was able to get to where I am now. And so I'm really excited for that episode to come out because it was a really good conversation. And I think a lot of things that people out there in the world or just don't have the resources for or it's not really truly being talked about in our space
0: hmm.
6: that's really awesome
0: I think it's so true what she said about like the acting with so many actresses like you look at not just actresses singers and anything and you look at people and you look at these interviews on you know common news shows tv shows or whatever entertainment news television all that sort of stuff and like they really do ask the weirdest questions of women sometimes. (laughs) And it's like, why don't you ask them about like, you know, their Their career and how they got there, their, their, the work they've put in, but they're asking like about their weight or they're asking about, you know, how the, the business treats them and stuff like that. And it's like, that's just, I, I really like that you're you've seen that and decided to do something about it and provide a space for those more uplifting conversations to take place
8: yeah and that's really uh, you know the whole point of fem forte is i'm never gonna be that podcast and i will stop if i am um that podcast to spread negativity or to be like a gossip channel or to out someone right it's about uplifting them with the most positive conversations and highlighting them in a truly amazing way whether it's giving them the spotlight or giving them the mic, literally, and so yeah, I I, I truly want to spread t- positivity and show them the love, and it's really cool not only to highlight highlight them on my platform, but also to see the social media response like when I promote their episode or when I promote their clips like for instance the women band directors we see former students and current students just like show the love like I know like as women uh, as band directors in general how many times do they get to see or hear their students give them that great feedback or get or get that appreciation so it's cool to be able for them to see that from a social media side but also for people who have never heard about them before to also be following them or hear their name because that's what this is all about.
6: That's really awesome. What do you feel like your what do you feel like your 5-year kind of plan looks like? You do a lot and it sounds like your passion project is definitely Femme forte, but it, I get the the sense that you really love being in charge of media at UDB. So what does that look like for you? Where do you want to go?
8: Yeah, absolutely. So kind of my five year plan, I, and this was actually a part of the interview process for UDB was I've kind of hit it early and I'm kind of figuring out what the next steps are because the joke goes is when I got interviewed, they asked me, where do you see yourself in five years? And I said, Oh, I would love to be some kind of director role at some kind of managerial role, leading a video production team, leading a media team. And, yeah, that five years turned into five months and here I am. And so I'm already <laughs> yeah. a director of media. And so it's like, oh great, I hit that goal early. Where do I go from here? And so truly and honestly, I just kind of, as our team is expanding, I want to keep growing the team. I want to be able to keep growing that team exponentially whether it's with you know, new hires or whether it's growing the team and us creating higher level productions. I'm someone who definitely does not know everything, and am constantly learning and growing in the media realm. And so, I'm really excited for some of the things that UDB is working on, and not only that will help me grow professionally as a person, professionally uh, in my career, but it's also helped me grow um, personally as a person. And so, I'm really excited to see where that goes. But also, also I'm really fortunate that Luke and Josh really believe and support the mission that Fem Forte is, and so. I really, truly want to grow that. Again, I want it to be something that's outside of a podcast. I'm already starting to do some speaking events here and there. And so I kind of want to really push on that and grow Femme Forte bigger than it is because I have such a vision for it. And I would love to see that vision for it come true. Very
0: cool. That's great. And like, so polished I feel like I you know just looking at your social media you know when I came across your po- podcast the first time I was immediately intrigued because of the way everything looked and everything was put together Life and you clearly have so set modern. out yeah you, you clearly have set out to like create your image and not let somebody else tell you what your image is going to be which I think people don't teach girls that the same way they do with boys especially but just in general like we don't learn hey you know This is how, you know, present yourself the way you want to be presented and show yourself to the world. So with that part being said, what has been sort of the biggest learning curve that you've had in creating this space for yourself?
8: Yeah. Yeah, a lot. Not only from like a podcast production standpoint, but honestly, it's, it's funny that you say that because one of the episodes with Rachel Taylor from Girls March, how she learned that with Girls March and how she created that, it really taught her like self-love and self-confidence. And I feel like Femme Forte is doing the same for me. Like I, and that's what I try to reject as, as much as I can in, uh, and me being the host of Femme Forte is showing what a strong, confident woman looks like, but in in my personal life like I try to practice that every day but we all know that like some of us get like imposter syndrome and I'm a huge person who is who who gets that a lot and so the with Femme Forte not only has that helped improve my self-confidence by having these amazing guests and and having the con- uh, confidence to approach some of these really big names uh, in the industry but yeah it's kind of just taught me to be more confident in, in not only my knowledge of media and now podcasting, but just confidence because people do believe what I'm trying to do with M- Forte, And it's honestly such a humbling experience to see that people do are passionate and love what I'm trying to share.
6: I I really love that you brought up imposter syndrome. I feel like it's so relatable. So let's can we dig into that a little more? Like what? Absolutely. What do you feel like you're impostering?
8: <laughs> impostering? Oh, there's so many things, but if I could say the biggest thing right now, it would honestly be the fact that the fact that I am some people call me like a professional in the media and podcasting space. I mean, I've again Femforte, the idea has existed since September, but really it's only been out since last June. And so we're not even a year in yet that Femforte has existed. I'm so, so fortunate that it is growing at the rate that it is growing. And it's so awesome to see that. But yeah, there are days where I do ask myself, like, is this good enough? Like, am I really the expert when I haven't even had a full year of experience in it yet? And And even as like a media professional, like it's really, yes, it's really cool to be able to have the opportunity to lead a media team and to Have the experience that I do have under my belt for people to be comfortable to come to me for advice, but in all actuality, like I'm only about to turn 24 this year, and that was
0: going to be my next next question is, and how old are you with all of this going on? Yeah, (laughs) and so yes,
8: it's so cool to be able to say that I graduated college early at 21, and you know, have been in the workforce for as long as I've had because I got my first job while I was in college, like in the media field. So I'm very, very fortunate for those opportunities. But I do know that, like, I am younger than most people I hang around with or most people who are working in the industry. And so, yeah, that definitely does come up pretty frequently. It is uh, my young age and how that implements into the many different things. But with, like, the metrics and the performance and the results that I've been able to push out, whether it's through UDB or whether it's for Femme Forte, like, and people also verbally reassuring and, and giving me that appreciation that they do see that work does definitely help a lot to make myself more confi- confident and comfortable speaking my experience.
6: Yeah, do you... that was so vulnerable, thanks. Do you ever feel like a lot, like some of the imposter syndrome might come from the fact that people are projecting their idea of you and you feel like a pressure to like rise up to that instead of just sitting in, nope, I am, this is what I'm doing. I have earned being where I am, but at the same time, I don't feel like an expert because maybe I'm not yet. And I'm not saying that you are or you aren't, but like as someone who has also dealt with imposter syndrome, I've like thought a lot about this. And I feel like sometimes it's it's like who how we see ourselves versus how other people see us so I'm wondering what your take on that might be yeah
8: and you mentioned a good part about being vulnerable because that's definitely another thing that I've had to learn I you know when people get to know me a lot of people say that I'm a very open book, but there's definitely a lot of things that I my my surface level, if someone gets to meet me is very like open book style, but there's a lot of things that I kind of, you know, reserve and keep private for myself. And so through the podcast, I've learned to be more vulnerable. And that's, I think the biggest thing that I, at least my friends and the people that know me have told me that they really like about the podcast is how genuine and authentic I am. And really as someone who I used to have a YouTube channel like a long time ago, but like being a YouTuber was like never my thing. So I've always been behind the camera, never in front. And so, you know, putting myself out there, putting, you know, this passion project out there and really learning how to be vulnerable to the public eye is something I've definitely had to learn and be more comfortable with and learn what my boundaries, what I'm comfortable, just willing to share and what I'm not comfortable sharing and so that has been definitely some an eye-opening experience that I've had to learn a lot. And so to your point and to answer your question, like I'm constantly learning that every day and all I can ever ask of myself is to be as genuine and authentic as possible. Cause I think a lot now that media and content creation has become so massive and so many people are putting themselves out there in the pool. You know, not to call out on people, but I know some people can tell when people are being genuine and when, they, and when they aren't. And I think the biggest thing for me is to always be as genuine and as authentic as I possibly can be. And that's all I can ask for, because the right people will come around who want to support me and what I do. And then, you know, because if I'm not myself, I don't want those, you know, followers that only are attracted to this idea of me. That's not me. So, yeah, that's a good point. The, the Right. People will come around. um as long as I keep being myself. Absolutely.
0: I love that. I feel like it, it took me, you know, being on social media for as long as I have, it took me having a child to realize that, like, like you can be authentic, though, without giving away every single detail of your life and you can be a genuine person. And I honestly I feel like you do that, like in your in your content, in your podcast. I feel like you are genuine in everything that you do and also you're still keeping some of yourself for yourself. You don't have to share it with everybody. And I think that's, that's wonderful. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
8: Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate it. So who
0: who would you say was the person who you interviewed that maybe like stood out to you a lot and like maybe influenced you a lot, maybe like kind of helped feel like helped shape who you are or who you want to become maybe help you set some goals. What's what's just an interview that you've done that that really just sticks out to you that maybe you want to give a shout out to them for doing such a, something or if you want our listeners to go listen to like one interview, who would you want them to go listen to on your podcast?
8: Yeah. So you know, there's so many people that have been on my podcast, podcasts that have been amazing and I'll and I'll say two people for two diff- very uh, different reasons. The first okay. one being Dr. Jansen. I believe she's like the second episode that when the podcast first came out and it was just so amazing to interview her because she was my professor in college and being able to give back and to shine a light on her was something that just felt so good inside because not only did not only was she a part of and we talk about this in the episode Jump Camp, which was actually an all female music camp that actually really helped me understand the true impact of surrounding myself with women in the music space, but also was a huge guiding light and mentor th- throughout my college experience. Like it was just so amazing to have the light shine on her when she is giving me given me so much. So yeah, to, to give back to my community and to give back to her was a really, really special experience for me. And so we just had a blast. And as someone who, who normally doesn't like the spotlight on her, it was just amazing <laughs> to be like, no, you're going to be in the spotlight and I'm going to talk about how amazing you are. And so it was really cool to be able to do that. And so, yeah, that was awesome. And very, very special.
0: And can people find the, the episode just by typing in her name with like fem 4K? Yes. Okay.
8: yes. Her name is Dr. Elizabeth Jansen, J-A-N-Z-E-N. Oh, okay. So yeah, that was awesome. And then another episode is, I'm not sure if it's going to be out yet by the time this is out, is the actress. I went to LA for the first time this year to interview two, two guests. Um And that was like the first time. I mean, I do travel a lot. And Femme Forte is on the road, like, when I'm on the road with EDB, but this trip that I made was, like, just for Femme Forte, and it was so much fun. This actress, her name is Nicole Payson, and while I don't know her, like, well from a personal standpoint, it was so cool to be able to interview her, because not only have I looked up to her, she used to host a podcast that I used to listen to in college, but also the TV shows that she's been on. I've seen her acting career and I've also seen her from a podcasting standpoint. So to be able to be in a place where I'm like, yeah, I interviewed one of my idols was really, Amazing really cool feeling. to be
6: able to say. <laughs> yeah. What shows has she been on? She's
8: been on like Criminal Minds, uh, Westworld. I think it's called Call Me Kate or Call Me Cat or something like that. But yeah, she... She guest starred on Good Good Trouble on Hulu, so it was it was really really cool to be able to interview her and get her story from the acting and like from stage to screen perspective.
6: Did you just like send her a DM or something? How did you guys connect? I did. I did. I've been following her for for a while, and and that's
8: another thing that I've that I've learned is sometimes you know with the with the way that you reach out. I just, and I just DM a bunch of people on Instagram and yes, I get a bunch of no's, but it's those people who say yes and give you a chance. You're like, Oh yeah, this is amazing. <laughs>
0: yeah. That's really well. Neat. I have abs- absolute mad respect for what you do. I love, love, love seeing your passion. Uh, if people want to go find you on social media, they just follow @femforte. Uh, @femforte
8: at femforte. Forte. At @femforte podcast. On Instagram, podcast. TikTok, uh, YouTube, Facebook, all, of all the things. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming in so much. It's so good to meet you. And I I can't wait to see where you go with what you're doing, because I think this is such a thing that we need in, in our community and not just our community, but like the greater society as a whole. So
8: yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor. Nice to meet all you. All right, guys,
0: get back out on the field. We are going to wrap it up for Women's History Month with a beautiful run of the ballad. See you there.
5: Hey, this is Christine Rehm.
4: and Chris Green.
8: Guard Closet was founded as a consignment business in 2000. Since then, it has grown to include winter guard, band, percussion, and other genres. We
1: can help you with custom flag and costuming designs.
8: Our consignment inventory has plenty of great looks for your color guard, drum line, and marching band.
5: Pay it forward. When you purchase consignment, you help other programs. Last year we sold over 400 sets of consignments and returned over $125,000 in payments to our consigners for their sales.
8: Additionally, Guard Closet offers custom and pre-designed costumes, flags, floors, and formal wear, full or partial show writing, educational programming, and other services.
1: Max out your rehearsal time and set up a microsite
5: for easy student ordering for shoes, gloves, and other equipment.
8: The Guard Closet team is here to help you get everything you want and need for your season. Check us out at guardcloset.com and follow us on social media.
0: Everybody wave goodbye to Amanda she was amazing I know we're gonna miss her so much that interview like I, I knew she was cool just from like looking at her Instagram and listening to her podcast but I didn't realize she was that cool like I I don't know have you guys seen her Instagram or Mm-mm. listened to her podcast yet Mm-mm. for Fem Forte I seriously go do it because she really like, she has everything polished and, and granted like that's like what she does, you know, she's on for UDB and I, is she doing, I don't even know. I didn't think to ask her if she's doing any of the drum core social medias. She's probably too busy with UDB, honestly.
5: So I've, I've spoken to Amanda before. Um, She's in, I had mentioned earlier the um, like the giant, it's called the marching arts media discord, but she, I know she's a member of that. I imagine with ultimate drill book, like a lot of people with the, the tough thing with drum core, social media is balancing that and you know, a full-time job. So yes, can't really, mm. and the pay mm. isn't a ton compared to a full-time job. So it's, it's definitely tough for the people. like. I, I totally,
2: totally
1: know what you mean,
0: actually. Yep. <laughs> 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 well, let's get into that. Okay. So let's, let's do, uh, let's go back to our new segment that we started just a couple weeks ago. Uh, we're going to, basically, for people who haven't listened to the last few episodes, this new segment is called, What Are We Doing? What are we
4: doing?
1: What are we doing?
0: And we're going to go off against something that's bugging us in the marching arts. And Sam, if you want to start us off.
5: Yeah. So I was hoping I, was hoping I could lead into this. <laughs> yeah. So something that is kind of an epidemic in activities that people are very passionate about. Which as someone who comes from the teaching world, I fully have been yeah, a victim yes. of hey, you you this thing you love, because you love it, we're gonna take advantage of you and mm. get away with it because you're gonna put up with a lot knowing that you get to do the thing you love. And so a a thing that's really prominent in our activity as well, especially with, with, with Drum Corps, there's a lot of offers for, you'll see job listings um, that don't specify that the person is not going to get paid.
2: Right. It, it usually doesn't
5: come up until much later in the interview process. So I actually have, wow. um, I applied, I'm not going to name names, but there was a Drum Corps that yes. I applied for a year ago for an, it was actually an audio position and originally it was a paid position, and then I remember a month later it became an unpaid position, and then a month mm. after that it turned into actually you're going to have to pay us because the, the oh. knowledge you're going to gain is so valuable.
0: No. Wow.
5: So I did what? not. Um, I did not Damn. continue on with that. <laughs> I was very lucky to at Blue Knights. Um, the media team is paid at Blue Knights. Um, the media team is paid at Santa Clara Vanguard, um, but media is a big caption because it's newer. That's Mm -hmm. not necessarily budgeted into jump budgets, which is so strange to me. Because if you're trying to grow something, you would think that you would you would want to market it. Yeah, and so we like to think of ourselves not just as the media team, not just you know the people take photos, but like we're also the marketing department for your organization. Yeah, and so not investing money into marketing is always something that's really baffled me. Mm -hmm. Like we get away with it. Yeah, we get away with it in the marching arts because people come to drum corps is not something people walk into off the street and apply for a job. Like they do it because it's something they probably are already familiar with, something they are in love with, and because of that, we get to take advantage of that and say, "Well, you know, would you just, you love it so much? Wouldn't you be willing to do it for free?" And you know, inevitably, young people get roped into that and they say yes, yeah. and then we continue getting away with it. But there are there are so many positions out there that are kind of credited as, well, it's a learning opportunity. Sure. So is a job. I mean, (laughs) I, you know, at Blue Knights, um, it was my first summer on a drum corps media team and I learned so much and I also got paid. Um, Those two things can happen at the same time. So that's kind of, those are my feelings on that. I don't know if anyone has similar experiences or. Oh, for sure.
3: I would would get paid for some of the things that I do. (laughs) Nobody's nobody's offering yet. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Social media is so huge. And I don't know if it's because it's so new. I mean, it's not so new. But I don't understand. I I mean, kids are going to college now and getting degrees and going to work in social media. Like, they're having careers Mm -hmm. made out of social media. And yet, to hear that drum corps are saying in some instances, obviously, that we don't need to pay you for this. This is valuable to you for your experience. Oh, you but need to pay us. I, I can't know. Do that. At that. That's point, crazy. Yeah, at some point, at what point does that stop? And, and, and we start getting paid for our content. And, uh, well, I
1: think that is hinting at like a bigger, what are we doing? Like you said, no one looks at it traditionally as the marketing team. No one is like traditionally thinking, how can this group make money? No one is like really trying true. to think about that at all. And it's the like only, the, only reason, the I would suggest to,
5: only reason I would suggest a pivot there, not in the money side, but that the activity has, you know, shrinking over time. There's less jump cores than there were 10 years ago, and there's many less jump cores than there were 40 years ago. And so there's definitely got to be, you know, if the, if the current approach isn't working, there's definitely mm-hmm. got to be a new approach to the way that we grow this activity. Right. It's just my thoughts there.
1: I agree. And that kind of brings me towards my what are we doing, which is like, I feel like the whole activity has kind of a hesitancy towards change. And mine was thinking more about like the music that we play and how, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a big time (laughs) bias, like some sort of selection bias towards playing stuff that is like valued in like these collegiate chambers, Where, you know, highbrow, intellectual, you know, people thinking about music are like, wow, this is the best music we could play. This is like fantastic music that we need our drum corps to play. (laughs) Meanwhile, though, like I bet that if we just played something that was a little bit more entertainment value driven, maybe something a little bit more popularly recognizable, you might actually find that people on social media watch it or maybe people that aren't from the band world or aren't musicians actually enjoy watching a drum corps performance. But for some reason it's viewed as low brow when BD has a pop star moment for 30 seconds in the show with a Lady Gaga sample, or it's, it's viewed as not being artistically valid. It's like, okay, so this is not good enough for like a couple people who, you know, really do have great musical minds, have devoted their life to music. But like, who are we? What are we doing? What are we doing this for? Who are we doing this for? <laughs> mm-hmm. There's so many it's more true. people out there that don't mm-hmm. care about like, you know, Box eighth mm-hmm. symphony or whatever. It's like, not again. We don't need to do it again. That's We've been doing this point. forever. <laughs> <laughs> I think that maybe we should just try to make drum corps more accessible to the average audience member. And then, you know, maybe this would be something that's more sustainable or there's more interest around.
0: Are right. we gatekeeping from our audiences even?
5: A little bit. I was going to say, I think there's a drum corps that does a very good job at that. And it's Blue Coats. Yes. Oh, like, yeah. In terms of the it's not like this traditional band style thing. But like in 2019, they did a the, the, a Beatles show and it was awesome. Yes. Like it almost uh-huh. won. <laughs> mm-hmm. yes and so it's 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 silly to say that like well if you just do pop music you're not uh, bluecoats were like 0.1 away from winning in 2019 with entirely pop music yeah yeah that's what so, you thing know, it's- that I think.
1: then i think it's almost a cop-out for not being creative it's like oh i need to play this really difficult symphonic music so that we can get a good music score yeah it's like no you need to just creatively write a book that because flourishes the upon judge- these ideas
2: because the music judge was either a music ed or music performance major in mm-hmm. college and, and he's the person that's in all that repertoire and yeah. they think they're appealing to him. Mm-hmm. Now that brings up another discussion. You know, are we writing the show for the judges or are we writing the show for the audience? And that's a whole uh-huh. another day.
0: But is I mean, the activity
1: sustainable if we keep writing our mm-hmm. every show for the judges? Or you know, should How much we are the in judges general- paying
0: for their tickets? Mm.
1: <laughs> Negative
0: <laughs> $800 right, dollars
1: to, that yeah, weekend. It's all
0: backwards. Our interns are paying <laughs> to be there. And we're paying judges. Maybe this is all backwards.
1: <laughs> yeah, I agree. What are we doing?
0: What are, what we, are doing?
7: we doing? <laughs> <laughs> all
1: right. I think it's a good time. Let's get into the news here.
2: All right. <laughs>
0: Okay, so we mentioned earlier in the show this big thing called the Super Bowl happened. And uh, Cindy's gonna be our first story since you brought a story that relates to that,
3: yeah. And I don't know if y'all know, but I've been a long time follower of HBCU colleges historically. Black colleges and universities, their bands have a unique sound. Uh, if you don't follow them, you need to follow them. My first experience was years ago when my daughter was at Leander. It was a Bands of America competition, and you know how they bring in an exhibition band, and it's always a college band. Well, they brought in A M prairie um Prairie—oh, now I can't think. Prairie—well, anyway— And that was my first experience with HBCU colleges and their incredible music. So when I was watching the Super Bowl Sunday night, I immediately recognized those kids from Jackson State University, and I couldn't believe that Usher had them uh, in his show. And you talk about a secret. Like, these kids were able to keep this a secret, and uh, they were able to to learn and film this show uh, and learn the steps. It was obviously a huge endeavor. And, uh, but that was the coolest thing. I literally screamed when I was watching and saw these kids. I was like, is that Jackson state? And uh, (laughs) and I was just thrilled for them. And it's just so cool. They're getting more and more recognition and uh, it's just that was the coolest that they got to go out there for usher and we we need more of that we need more college bands and uh bands in general uh, we in in our uh, in, in our nfl teams i know we have a few but we need more
4: we need more that's what i've been saying i thought
1: that was really cool like when i was watching it everyone always is like we need to have drum corps in the super bowl halftime show And i was like look they're doing it in, a, in the in the <laughs> yeah. only practical way possible it's actually happening right now they're doing drum corps on the camera during the halftime show kind of you know so it's cool. it's not drum corps i guess it's college marching band yeah. but for what it's worth we actually had marching arts on display on actually the biggest tv broadcast of all time which does is anybody you know, know? kind of a w
0: did does usher have like marching band experience i don't know
3: Hey Siri. That's a great question.
0: <laughs> Cause I, I mean, wonder, because hey, my daughter, like all of these musical artists that we get to perform, they have some sort of background. They started somewhere. Yeah. You know, I'm sure a lot of them probably started in their high school band at some point.
1: Oh, that's but, yeah. crazy. I I have such a close-to-home story about that. I don't know if I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but oh, a guy job. from my high school drumline. Uh he was my center snare when I was a freshman is now like producing for Drake all the time. He's wow. like Drake's back pocket producer.
3: Wow. I love it.
1: Drake, Travis Scott, Yeet, if you know that that guy. <laughs> but it's like absolutely surreal. Like I see posts on his Facebook and it's like back in 2012 when he was tapping off the Upper Darby snare line. And now he's like, <laughs> dude, is should have got a Grammy last week. He got <laughs> snubbed. My center snare from 2013 got snubbed.
3: <laughs>
7: <laughs>
0: well, I want to get somebody from the Sonic Boom of the South on this pod. Mm-hmm. So if anybody's got any connections, mm-hmm. I have been messaging on social media. And their their social media is blowing up, too. So they're, probably, yeah, it they're is. probably not getting any of my messages. But I've been trying to contact them. If anybody knows anybody, tell them. Jackie wants to talk to them
4: personally, <laughs> also on the pod. <laughs> Emily. What do you got for us? Yes. So I feel like this is a warning to never get in the way of a marching band in the middle of a performance. There was a bit of a oops that happened during a Mardi Gras parade where there was actually video footage of a on-duty police officer shoving somebody mid-parade. And it's like, <gasps> what? That's not cool. Everybody knows when the band comes to march in, you move out the way. I I just feel like that's just the unsung rule about that. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so it seems like he was properly reprimanded for that, but still, don't shove band kids. That's not not cool.
0: cool. (laughs) Trish, you got some news on the uh, DCI all-age front?
2: I'm all in on the DCI all-age front, especially the Skyliners, who are a little (laughs) bit near and dear to my heart, as I Still technically on paper, I'm the color guard instructor for the alumni corps, although we don't have a color guard right now, but I guess on paper I'm still, so I couldn't wait to talk about what the competing corps is up to. They have announced their show, which is going to be sort of, it's, it's really an interesting concept, especially in light of what's happening. And it's called One Day I'll Fly, and it's kind of based on the metamorphosis of a you know, caterpillar into a butterfly. And they really, you know, they have some really cool tunes they're going to play. Obviously one day I'll fly from Moulin Rouge and it talks about the whole metamorphosis. And isn't that just a great topic for a DCI all age core to take on this summer because they are the entire DCI all age Category is taking on a metamorphosis, transitioning from what they were as stroke core associates into the all-A genre. And I think that's a really good show for them. But getting back to what we were saying earlier about, you know, picking rap, they'll sound a little bit like they're trying to drink the Kool-Aid here because there is a quote from Tim Allen that says we just can't play 42nd street anymore. And, and tunes like that. I mean, you know, the classic skyliner sound, the classic skyliner sound, which I'm really familiar with from being with the alumni core, you know, the old classics, they just, I guess they just really feel are not going to work, you know, going up against what we were talking about earlier, yeah. you know, these cores picking this, you know, I, you know, really difficult and, you know, Challenging rep compared to you know the blue coats being just as successful, even more so, you know, playing a Beatles show. So kind of all ties together here. But it's going to be really interesting to see if other all age cores kind of take that approach away from the traditional DCA type rep into this new. So it's it's all it's all very interesting. So let's see what happens.
0: And Sam. You've got something that ties into this a little bit.
5: Yeah, I. Whenever I hear Skyliners, being from the Midwest, I think of the similar name drum corps, the Sky Riders, who are from Hutchinson, Kansas, and they are. They've had kind of a committee going, pretty recently to revive that drum corps. So I'm wow. not. I don't. I don't know the timeline or anything like that but i know that the Skyriders, um i think they were active in the 90s if they i'm were. not
2: wrong and very good yeah
5: so, yeah so there's there's not a ton of drum cores in that area of the midwest like the missouri kansas area is pretty it's kind of like a drought for drum corps and opportunities like that so i know the sky riders that's something that people art directors in the midwest like they have they have clinics they're they're trying to get that drum corps running again um Hopefully that happens as someone from Missouri who there's no drum corps in Missouri. So that would be a really cool thing.
0: That'd be really
2: great to see.
0: And there's so much talent like marching band and winter guard, you know, indoor drumline, everything is so big here. We have a huge winter circuit and like, we have so much marching band, like every small school, I mean and all the way to the big schools too, but I'm talking Mm -hmm. every school has a marching band and it's Mm -hmm. like they're competing and and, you know, they're getting up at two o'clock in the morning to drive three hours to go to a marching band competition for an entire day. So we've got a lot of dedicated kids. You know we
5: You do we have you know, we have one of the best high school marching bands in the country, Blue Springs, and then we have like for for Independent Open last year with Winter Guard, we had two guards in the top five. Mm -hmm. yeah
0: yeah
2: so
5: it's you know it's not like we have nothing
0: right (laughs) right right, yeah we've got so much i I feel like we can we can support a drum corps we just got to figure out how to do Mm -hmm. it (laughs) yeah (laughs) well steven do you want to wrap up with your story
1: yeah so uh my story is something i've been talking about for years and i i don't i think i've talked about this on the podcast before but uh The Rising Heat Each Summer Taking the Temperature of the Future of Drum Corps is the name of this article that DCI posted uh, earlier this week, I guess just yesterday as we record this. So they did some research and did an interview with Dr. Kevin Closel, who's the director of Oklahoma Climatological Survey and a, a meteorologist for the Oklahoma University Department of Campus Safety. So he's also working as part of DCI's Marching Arts Safety and Health Initiative. And he sat down with uh, DCI's Dan Potter to discuss some issues related to weather patterns and the uh, summer drum corps tour schedule. So their conversation, yeah, kind of touches on the biggest issues that this uh, expert thinks drum corps as an activity faces due to the tour getting hotter. And like mm. you know, I, I at least can personally vouch for the fact that when I was on tour in Texas, mm. it was almost unfeasibly hot and it seems to get a little bit more so every summer. Like we're already amending shows to not have uniforms, mm-hmm. to push back start times to after sunset, mm-hmm. when we get into the real peak of the hottest parts of tour. And uh, kind of what Dr. Kevin Closel, ends up recommending is that what we need to do as time goes on is be flexible and and be willing to make those same changes to the actual rehearsal schedule and how we rehearse, period, in drum corps rather than just how we handle the shows in Texas. And he says, (laughs) like, you know, trying to prioritize how you lay out the day as a director, as a battery coordinator, as whomever thus that maybe in the middle of the day, we're front ending the most intellectual work and the least physical work that we can do. And then how do we then work during the most cool times of day to uh, clean up on the most physical things we need to do? Like, I think that's obviously compatible with how we already do ensemble at night most of the time. It's already a thing that everyone does. But how can you continue to build on that idea as a staff and really be smart about not making your kids do the most physical work possible during the hottest part of the day? This climatologist is suggesting that, you know, this summer and every summer moving forward, we need to be even more and more cognizant of how we should structure rehearsal kind of a around the rising and falling temperatures of the daytime. He wraps the article and they, uh, Dan Potter asks him, he says, just to put an exclamation point on all of this, heat is now the number one weather related killer.
5: Mm. And,
1: uh, close expands to say that, yes, it actually even dwarfs all the other weather events combined. You could take tornadoes, hurricanes, flooding, cold, in general, in the world for all of humanity, mm. just being too hot is usually the big problem when it comes to weather-related, you know, death. So wow. it's clearly something that, as time goes on, we need to take more and more seriously. Maybe we can take the baby steps now in figuring out how we structure our rehearsals around the hottest parts of the day,
0: or we can figure out how to uh, raise enough funding to get everyone enclosed rehearsal spaces just are you talking about
1: uh blue coats residency at the sphere (laughs) in vegas
0: yes yes i love that that. idea
1: (laughs) i'd be about that
5: (laughs) uh last summer at blue nights when we were in san antonio the middle block like that middle four four hour block in the middle of the day we just let them go back to bed and then oh. we had ah. ensemble at night. So we did nap a lock, visual in the morning. <laughs> we had nap block in the middle of the day. And then we did ensemble and we made finals. Wow. Nice. So it's, you know, so it's, it's, the it's not drum the, drum the end course. of your Take summer. Take note.
3: Take note listen. <laughs> it and listen.
5: The drum course, the ethical. I like that.
1: That's a yeah I, honestly man we might need to move to something like that that might be the best way to take it, use of your time you know,
5: it was productive it was like hey if we can get our work done in the morning and at night like don't Did worry you guys about wake it wake up earlier Stop, or hottest, rehearse no. later no okay. not at all we, we, we didn't wake up party. early at blue nights ever okay oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very i should have
1: known that i should have this that. west west coast <laughs> jump <core>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, everybody. So thanks for a great rehearsal this week. Thank you to our hosts, Emily, Trish, Cindy, and Steven. Sam, thank you for being our guest host this week. Where can our listeners go to follow you on your amazing social medias?
5: So on TikTok or Instagram, I go by at smohlermedia, S-M-O-H-L-E-R, media. Um, And then quick shout out to on TikTok, follow the account at Santa Clara Vanguard. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah you're gonna see a lot of awesome content there this summer uh thank you to Amanda you can find her at fem forte podcast and of course on the the uh, UDB social media go subscribe write us a review and share this with a friend make sure you follow us on our social media at on a water break and we'll see you at the next rehearsal on a water break
1: go practice
0: go
7: practice
0: on a water break podcast was produced by jeremy williams and christine reed the intro and outro music was produced by josh lyda to learn more visit lydamusic.com and until next time thanks for tuning in